Whether you are listening to, to this sermon alone or with your family today, I hope you'll follow along with the scripture passage of John 9. Uh, the present situation of us being secluded in our homes due to this virus provokes many questions by, by all of us. Uh, first at hand is, when will this end? Will I and those I love be okay? How will this affect my livelihood? If I own a business, how will this affect that business and employees? But there are also deeper questions that some of us are asking, such as what is God doing through this? What is God doing in the world and in the United States through this? Is this some sort of judgment from God? Is this some sort of preparation for something which is still to come in the future? When this is over, will the Christian church be stronger or weaker? This is a question of theodicy. That's an unusual word. You know this word, theodicy? Theodicy is an attempt to justify the ways of God with men and women. And that's what this chapter, John chapter 9, is all about. It's the story of the healing of a blind man. And this chapter unfolds in four scenes. The scene number one, the very first one in the opening verses, is the introduction of this man who's been born blind. And John, the, the gospel writer, has three observations of when Jesus met this man. He notes first that it was a, a Sabbath day, a Jewish Sabbath day. In verse 14, it says the last day of the week, what we call Saturday. And this is important, They're very important, and he notes this, because there had already been controversy between Jesus and the Pharisees, the Jewish religious leaders, about the Sabbath day and Jesus' attitude toward it. And in this story, it's almost as though Jesus is going out of his way to cause trouble with the Pharisees over the Sabbath day. If you read God, John's gospel, he points out that this is the issue that over time will be that which will bring Jesus down in the end. The second observation that John makes is the question posed by the disciples about this man's condition. Even today, as it was in ancient cultures, blind people had no choice but to be beggars. They were poor. He had been relegated to a life of poverty and, and begging along this roadside. And perhaps Jesus spoke to him. But the disciples believed that such a condition as blindness was a punishment for sin. Still today, that we tend to think that at times, we have the entire book of Job where Job's friends showed up and that was their assumption that Job had to have sinned for these terrible things to have happened to him and his family. But we can uh, assume that sometimes there is a connection between sin and suffering, but sometimes there's not. And it's rare, if ever, that we are in a position to make such a determination. But that did not stop the disciples from asking their question in verse 2. They said, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So they had narrowed it down to one of two alternatives. Either this man had sinned or his parents had sinned. On a side note, notice how they are speaking about the man but not to the man. Do you ever observe how when there's a person with a disability, a severe disability, or maybe in a wheelchair, or a blind person, 
that people talk about them but the, or around them but not to them. This guy had probably lived his entire life hearing people talk about him rather than talk to him. So the blind man is really just a philosophical question for the disciples. He's a theological issue. And they are thinking, what caused his blindness? But Jesus totally shifts their attention away from that question about the cause of his blindness to the purpose of it. He's going to deal not with who is at fault in this, in, in this situation, but what is God doing in this situation? We need to be asking that question. What is God doing now in my situation? What is God doing in my life, in my family's life, in our church's life? The Life Application Bible Commentary says that when we go through times of trouble, that God is at work. And they make these observations that we may be going through this trouble, that God may use our experience to help and encourage others who will pass through the same thing eventually. Secondly, God may use our suffering to break through the hardness of another person and bring about change in them. God may use our endurance and suffering to encourage other believers. Well, there's a third observation that John makes, and that's Jesus' response to the disciples. He adds a third option. There are two options of, was it the man who sinned or his parents? Jesus gives this option that it's not due to sin, but it's for the glory of God. Some of our suffering, like the trials of Job, are for God's glory. And there is no link here between this man's blindness and sin. But it was for the glory of God that would follow shortly with his healing. So Jesus is much more concerned with the question, how can God be glorified in this situation? Wouldn't it be great for you and me to be able to adopt the viewpoint that when we go through difficult times, then rather than trying to find who's at fault, or to become angry, or discouraged, or panic, wouldn't it be great if we had the, pers the perspective, how can God be glorified in this situation? What is God doing? So instead of worrying about our problems, we should instead find out how God could use our problem to demonstrate his power. Now we move to the second scene, and that's the healing of the man. We have that in verses 6 through 12. I won't go into the details, but this story's relatively brief at this point. Jesus spits on the ground. He makes mud with the saliva. He, he puts that on the man's eyes, and then he tells him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. The pool of Siloam had been built many years before when Workers had been sent by King Hezekiah to build an underground tunnel from a freshwater spring outside of Jerusalem. And this tunnel channeled the water into this pool, which was inside the city walls. So verse 7, just in a summarily way, just says, He went away and washed and came home seeing. I've never met someone healed of blindness, but I have read about such. Several years ago, the Los Angeles Times ran a story about Anna Mae Penica, who at that time was a 62-year-old woman who had been blind from her birth. At age 47, she married a man that she met in a Braille class. And for the next 15 years of their marriage, this man did the seeing for both of them until he completely lost his vision. 
Miss Penica had never seen the changing of the seasons. She'd never seen the blue of the summer sky. And yet, from what the article said, because she had grown up in a very loving, supportive family, she never felt resentment about her blindness. And she always exuded a remarkably cheerful spirit. But then at age 62, an eye surgeon at UCLA performed surgery on her left eye and for the first time ever, she saw. The newspaper account describes how she found that everything was so much bigger and brighter than she ever imagined in her mind. She said she immediately recognized her husband and others that she had known very well, but she was surprised how people were taller or shorter or heavier or skinnier than she had imagined them. And she said that since that day after the surgery, that she's hardly been able to wait to wake up in the morning, to splash her face with water, to put on her glasses, and to go outside and enjoy the changing morning light. Can you imagine for this man, for the first time in his life, to be able to see? Well, he goes back in verse 8, tells us that there's mixed response by his neighbors, those who seem to know them. They're arguing, saying, well, this was the man that was blind. And others are saying, no, he just looks like him, but it can't be him. It's not him. And he repeats, I am the man. He insists, I am the man who was blind and used to beg here by the road. So they ask him in verse 10, how were your eyes to open? How did this happen? And he tells them Jesus healed him. And now we come to scene three of the four scenes. And this is the lengthiest and the darkest of the, of the four scenes. It's in verses 13 to 34. And it's his conversation or inquisition by the Pharisees. The Pharisees, as I mentioned earlier, had a fixation about the Sabbath. And in their mind, Jesus was destroying the Sabbath by what he was saying and by what he was doing. And since they saw themselves as the guardians of God's law, and for them, the Sabbath was all about what a person could not do. Not what you're allowed to do, but what you could not do. And among their hundreds of, in their list of hundreds of things you could not do on a Sabbath day, one was to heal. So an argument breaks out between them, or among them, in verse 16. There's a first group who are entrenched in their position and they rule out the possibility that Jesus can be from God uh, because he's done this on the Sabbath day. But the second group starts from the fact of this miraculous sign, and they rule out the possibility of Jesus being a sinner. They do not believe he was really born blind, so that's their conclusion. Well, he couldn't have been born blind. So they call in his parents in verse 18. And the parents are afraid of these, these men on this court. So they, they punt on the question, they don't want to be barred from the synagogue. They don't want to be shunned by people that they know and viewed as ungodly. So in verses 27 to 34, the formerly blind man is questioned by them. And you notice in the questioning, he only becomes bolder the longer they talk. To such an extent as he confronts them, he confronts the court, and they throw him out of the synagogue. He is excommunicated. But note about this man, his boldness and his authority. 
These are the results of being a recipient of God's grace. The most moving part of the story, and to me the high point, is scene four. And that's the conclusion in verses 35 to 41. The man has been thrown out of the synagogue. Jesus had heard about it, and he has come and he finds the man. Now remember, when the man was with Jesus before, he was blind. He, he had not seen Jesus to this point because he had to leave Jesus to go and wash in the pool where he received his sight. Jesus said, whoever comes to me, I will not cast out. His eyes had been opened physically, but now they're going to be opened spiritually. During the second encounter with Jesus, we see this progression taking place with this man. In verse 11, the man says, it was Jesus who healed me. He apparently doesn't have any understanding. He doesn't have a clue as to who Jesus is or the purpose of his life or his connection with being God's redeemer. He just knows from hearsay that it was Jesus who had done this. And then in verse 17, under interrogation from the Pharisees, he progresses to where he says he is a prophet. And then in verse 22, in their conversation with the parents, discussing this in their home, he says, could this be the Christ? And then we go to verse 35, when Jesus asked him, does he believe in the Son of Man? And he says, well, show me who he is. And Jesus says, it is me. It is the one who is standing by you. And verse 38 says, he believes and he worships. See, that is the nature of faith. Faith begins with knowledge. It moves to trusting in that, and it results in commitment. This man is a perfect picture of the progression of a person coming to faith in the gospel. It's how the gospel works. It's interesting that John never tells us this man's name. Now, I think that had a purpose. I believe John is saying, look, I don't want to tell you his name. I want you to put your name in here. This is your name. This is my name. That we need the touch of Jesus by the Holy Spirit to enable us to see. And when our eyes are opened, what is it that we see? We see the same thing that this man saw. We see the Messiah. We see God's Redeemer who was sent. And we believe and we worship Him. So this chapter is written down for you. It says God has a purpose in this. That God has a purpose in what we're going through. No one can tell you for sure what that purpose is. But maybe the purpose is salvation itself, like with this man. So the question is, what are you going to do with this man called Jesus? What are you going to do with someone who can heal a blind man? And if he actually did heal this man, then these actions are the actions of one whom God sent into the world. And it says that the gospel stories are true, and they are written down for our instruction, and they are written down for our encouragement, so that we know in every trial, in every difficulty, there is a purpose. It is the purpose of a God who became incarnate and died for us. So are you moving toward God? Are you a seeker? The story ends with those who thought they could see being confirmed in their blindness. And the one who was blind having his eyes open to understand 
and appreciate who Jesus is. Faith is usually preceded with much thinking and hearing, as Romans says. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So read. Use this time. Use this time to read God's word, to hear God's word, to expose yourself to preaching and teaching of God's word. And in conclusion, have you come to the light? Have you come to see? John said in chapter 1 of the John's Gospel, Speaking of Jesus, he came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as did receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you that our eyes can be opened through the gospel, that those things that are spiritually discerned, that seemed foolish to us before, that now we can have enlightenment by your Holy Spirit. And like this, this man who was blind, we can see. Thank you that Christ is the Redeemer, that he is the great healer, that he is the physician. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. Let me invite you to stand for the benediction. And now may grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.